for Resurrection Sunday or Easter, whatever you want to call it, um, it's, it's one of the big two, right? What's the other one? Christmas. So we've got Christmas and Easter, and uh, I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how we celebrate Christmas and how we celebrate Easter. And at least in my household when I was growing up, um, it seemed like Christmas took on a much bigger it was a much bigger event. There was much more planning. Uh, there were more decorations. There were gifts that had to be given. There was obviously food that was made. And, and Easter was kind of not as big in, in our thinking where we didn't go to all the decorating. We didn't have all the plans. We had a, a different meal. And, and we, we did something that I'm sure some of you have done too. We had an Easter egg hunt. Those were always fun. My brother and I would race through the house trying to find the Easter eggs mom and dad put away. And um, as we got a little older, we were looking for more than candy in them. And so mom and dad accommodated us for a while and then it got too expensive. We also had a challenge because they would forget where they hit them. And, <laughs> and I can relate because we did the same thing with our boys. But uh, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that we have such a big celebration for Christmas. Now, Christmas is a big thing. The, the Son of God was born. And the first time, the only time, the Son of God was brought into the flesh and lived in this world. But if he had been born and he had never died and was never raised again, his birth wouldn't have meant anything. Do you realize that? And that's where... You know, at least with Christmas, there seems to be, in my mind and in my experience, there was more of an ongoing, lingering effect of, of Christmas. Now, it didn't last forever. Uh, in my thinking, I would, I would think about Christmas, the, the decorations, the light would, lights would be up at least until the 31st of December. And then it would kind of calm down, but I still had the gifts that were given. And Easter was really different for me because... Almost once the meal was over, it was over. Now, that's real telling about me. I'm not, I'm not pointing at anybody else, but it didn't have the impact. And today, I want you to realize that the impact of Easter, of the resurrection, should be experienced every day. And, and today, we're going to look at that, and we're going to see how this can happen. Um, but before we do, I just want to pray. So if you'd just bow your heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We know that there's no place we can go that you're not there. But Father, in this moment of time, we've, we've taken the time to spend with you. And we know that our lives will be different because we connect with you. And so right now, Father, um, I ask you to use me to speak what you once spoken. And Father, I thank you for open hearts, hearing ears, that will receive what you have to invest in each person here. That, Father, our lives would be changed, that we would be transformed, that we would truly continue on that path that you have for us to go from glory to glory. Because, Father, we know that your word is life and health to those who find it. We thank you for healings here today. Your word is truth, and it sets us free. We thank you for the freedom that your word brings today. Father, your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We thank you for the guidance that your word brings here today. 
And Father, in all that you do, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so we thank you for the good that you're going to do in our lives today so that you can do the good that you have planned and designed to do through our lives from this day forward. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So we're, gonna, we're not going to go through everything because we know. We know the, the, at Easter time, Jesus went to the cross, but before he went to the cross, he was beaten, he was tortured, uh, he had a lot of really difficult things, and he knew to a degree what was ahead. That's why when he was in the garden praying, uh, he said, Father, if this cup can pass away, if, if I can navigate around this. How many of you at times have kind of prayed that prayer? God, if we can go around this, I want to go around it. But just like with Jesus, not every time we pray and ask God to release us from whatever we're facing, does he take us around? Many times he takes us through, and there's a reason for that. Just like there couldn't have been accomplished what Jesus accomplished on the cross if he had sidestepped the cross was it difficult yes was it painful yes but it was necessary and there are things that you and i are going to have to go through and it's not for the sake of pain it's for the sake of us seeing what god can do in situations that we can't comprehend that could turn out good when Jesus looked at the cross, he couldn't count. We, when, if we look at the cross without knowing the end story, we can't comprehend what good came out of it. But now, looking at the backside of the cross, looking backwards on the cross and the resurrection, we see that there was unlimited good that was accomplished by this. And so uh, we, we, we're going to look at just a portion of it, and we're going to look in Matthew chapter 28, we're going to begin there, and in verse 1 through 4, it says this, Now after the Sabbath, uh, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary and Magdalene and Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing was white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him, and they became like dead men. Now right here we see that the two Marys were running to the tomb and they were expecting to find Jesus dead there and, and do what they, they needed to finish off doing. And the stone was rolled away. Now, the reason why the stone was there and the guards were there was because uh, the Romans and, and the Jews, uh, the religious people at the time, were afraid that somebody would steal Jesus' body and pff, kind of make a show that he was risen from the dead because he said... In three days, I'm going to rise again. And when the angel came and the stone was rolled away, it wasn't because Jesus needed to be let out. It was because people needed to see that he was gone. And these guards, when, when they saw the angel, what was, their, what was their response? What's it say? They shook with fear and they became like dead men, right? Were they dead? No. They had fallen down. They had fainted. They had passed out. Uh, whatever it was, it was a, an effect that happened because of the angel being there and, and their realization of some being that was greater than them. Now, going on in verse 5, it says this. But the angel answered and said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you see Jesus who is crucified. He's not here. He is risen, as he said. 
Come and see the place where the Lord laid and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee and you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So uh, they're talking, the women show up and the guards are laying out. And they were, the women were afraid when they saw the angel, but they didn't have the same reaction. And so the angel tells them about what's going on encourages them, and then says, go back and tell everybody else and let them know that Jesus is going to meet them in Galilee. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and what? Great joy. Fear and great joy. Whenever you encounter uh, the things of God, there's a fear. It's, it's not, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be a, a, a fear that has torment. It's a reverential fear. It's an awe. And these women were in awe of what had just happened, and they had great joy. And so they took off, and, and with this great joy and this great awe, uh, they began to run towards the disciples. And then it says that in verse 9, as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. So Jesus makes this appearance. He reveals himself to them. And he says, rejoice, rejoice. You know, that's, that's something that we in this world need to realize we need to do. We need to rejoice. Because the Bible says the joy that we rejoice with is our strength. That's... that's uh, a moment in time where we recognize that we're not dealing with whatever we're dealing with alone. God's there. Not only is God there, God cares. Not only is God there and he cares, he can do whatever needs to be done to reveal the victory to you. Now, I'm just asking you to close your eyes for just a second. And, and the reason why I'm asking you this is I don't want you to concentrate on anything but you and God at this moment. Because there's a tendency in all of our lives at times to face things that we encounter and just because it was unexpected, it, it was a surprise, it, it, it came out of the blue, we, we kind of are off balance and we start to work the best way we can to figure out how to get through it, how to overcome it. And in this moment, I just want you to know that there is never a time that God isn't there. God is there. God is everywhere all the time. And God cares. But God also cannot and will not. He will not force himself, his will, and his way on you. And that's where in, in our lives, as powerful as God is, as wise as God is, as ever-present as God is, we won't have his help until we allow him and invite him to be part of our lives and to help in each situation. Once, once we receive Christ as our Lord, God now moves inside, but he still won't force himself on you. And so right now as you're sitting there, I just want to ask you, is there something that you're struggling with? that you're dealing with, that, that 
You need the grace of God and the strength of God and the wisdom of God and the power of God to help you go through. Because God wants to cause you to overcome. But it's only as we turn to him and trust in him. You can open up your eyes. You're not alone. You are not alone. And, and loneliness grips all of us at various times throughout our, our lives. But that's not the reality. God is there. And God is as close to us as we've allowed him to be. But just like the women, they were facing some, some challenging things, and then they found out he's risen. He's alive. And Jesus himself said, rejoice. And what, what did Jesus' resurrection accomplish? What did it do? Well, we know in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 4, the scripture says that it revealed that he's the son of God. He was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if he was raised from the dead, it proved that he was the son of God, just like he proclaimed that he was going to do, just like the prophets had said that would happen in, in the Old Testament. But it proved that he was the son of God. And Jesus, in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, he said, I was dead and I am now alive forevermore. And that I hold the keys of death and hell. Letting everyone know he had conquered the grave and death and hell. That's, that's an amazing thing. Something that has power against us until we come under the power of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, in some of these scriptures, God set us up by hearing from Quest and from the children but it says this, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. So the resurrection of Jesus did two things. It proved he was the son of God and it also took care of our sin. All right? It, it caused our sin to have the ability to be cleansed. Just as we saw with Quest and the water cleansed and the, the heart that was cleansed, uh, God wants to do that in all of our lives. And it's, again, it's a choice. Um, we, we have the opportunity to partner with God, to have God work in a way in our lives that nothing and no one else could. And it's to show the victory of Jesus. Um, and we're here, we're celebrating. You've taken the time out of your schedule to, to pause, to consider these things, but you have plans for today. All of us have plans. But God wants what happened at the resurrection of Jesus to be a part of your plans today and tomorrow and the next day and for every day that you and I have here in the earth. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1, 3 says this, and, and we've heard this this morning already. It was through his loving kindness that we were born again to a new life. And we have a hope that never dies. This hope is ours because Jesus was raised from the dead. So it was God's loving kindness that, that caused this to happen, that we have the opportunity to be born again. The, the slate wiped clean. When we come to Christ and we receive the forgiveness 
that was provided through the cross. The Bible talks about nailing our sins to the cross. Whatever sin we've had, whatever sin that we will have, God has a provision of forgiveness for it. But we have to, number one, recognize it, and number two, receive it. And when we do, he wipes us clean. We become uh, born again, this new life, and we have this hope, a hope which, which is a confident expectation of good. You know, we're living in a world and a time that people don't expect a lot of good. People are looking out every day and wondering what's next. And maybe that's you. And as a Christian, we may have those moments where we're looking and we're unsure of what's ahead, but there's already somebody in your future, and that's God. And he's not just in your future. He's taking care of your past, and he's right with you in the present. And he's going to lead you in to the victory that the cross has provided. Because it's not something you and I can accomplish, but it's something he can accomplish, and he wants to in us and through us. But this new life, this, this hope that never dies, this is an offer from God to each one of us about having a confident expectation no matter what we face. You don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. But the one thing I do know is I don't have to face anything without God there. And so there's a confidence, not in what I'm going to face, but who I'm going to face it with. And it's ever living, never departing. And it's what God has for each one of us. And this is possible because in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, in the New Living Translation, it says this, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? In you. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, just think about that. What did it take for God to raise Jesus from the dead? It took him overthrowing all the power of the enemy, overthrowing death, overthrowing all the, the uh, punishment for sin, this is what God did through the Spirit of God, who now lives where? In us as believers. When we come to that place where we just read, being born again, the Spirit of God comes to live in us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That powerful person of Holy Spirit lives in you. And it says, and just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Now, the Phillips translation says this, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and he will by the same spirit bring to your whole being. What does that leave out? Now, it's important. It's important that this morning... Uh, you came, you made the decision to come, good decision. But it's equally important, just like Christmas and Easter, you got to have Christmas and you need Easter. To have Easter, you have to have Christmas. To have the resurrection, you have to have the birth. But the birth alone is not going to do it. You've got to have the resurrection. You've got to have the victory. So getting here this morning, that was a good choice. 
But you've got to have more than just getting here. You've got to take something away. And God wants to invest in you today, something that you'll hold on to, you'll remember, and it will affect your life every day. It goes on to say in the Phillips translation, bring to your whole being new strength and vitality. The Passion Translation says God's spirit of resurrection lives in you. Again, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a minute. I, I'm, I'm doing this because I want you to pause. You know, in the Bible, there are moments in time in the Psalms and it says Selah, which means pause and reflect. Think about this. I'm asking you to think about the fact that as a child of God, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you've asked him to come into your life and be Lord of your life, he's forgiven you of your sins, but he's also come to reside in you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the, the spirit that brings to your whole being, new strength and vitality. God's spirit of resurrection lives in you. And right now, right now, he wants to impart to you that resurrection life, that vitality, that strength. Some, some of you here, you're, you're in need of healing. Believe for that healing. This is the same spirit that rose Jesus, raised Jesus from the dead. If he can bring Jesus back from the dead, he can surely heal. Make bodies whole. Make souls whole. Our, our, our emotions, our souls. Father, I just thank you right now for whatever the need is in any one of these of your children. I thank you for the revelation and recognition and reception of the fact and the truth that your spirit living in them is now revitalizing them, is strengthening them, is making them whole, is bringing health and wholeness and healing. Father, we thank you right now for what only you can do. Father, you said you'd confirm your words with signs and wonders following. Right now, Father, we expect miracles. We expect healings. We expect hope to arise and joy and peace to, to fill hearts and minds. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 John 4, 4, it says this. You belong to God, my dear children. You've already what? Oh, come on. You've already won. You've already won. Final four, we're down to the final two, right? Some of you are like, yeah, can we get out of here? I know it's Monday, but they're going to determine who wins. And I'm going to get some flack for this, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, but I got money on this game. <laughs> Don't tell me. <laughs> the championship's going to be played on Monday. Is that right? Oh, come on. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Going to be played on Monday. And then 
They're going to celebrate it, but guess what? These teams are going to start preparing for the next, next tournament, the next year, the next season. God doesn't have to prepare for the next one because he's won it all. And he's given you that victory so that you can have a confidence. If you get this and you hold on to this and you believe this, you receive this, you will become so peace-filled, so joy-filled, so hope-filled in spite of what you encounter. Because if you realize you have already won, and this is why, because the spirit who lives in you, where is he? He's in you. Is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. But we got to remember this. Because too many times we either are unaware or we forget. Because the things in the world seem so real. But I want you to understand this. The Bible says the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. And so we've got to hold on to this. We've got to fight to hold on to this that we know. We know. We're convinced. We're always accessing. We're always uh, looking back and, and holding on to the fact that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And he is more powerful, wiser, more capable than anything you can encounter. That's good. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a delayed reaction. When you guys get out to the parking lot, you'll be just like, oh! <laughs> I, hope, I hope it hits in the parking lot, and I hope it hits tonight when, when you're sitting down at, at a meal and tomorrow when you wake up. And tomorrow when you encounter something you didn't expect and, and don't know how to go through, you're going to say, you know what? God, I don't have to sweat this because I'm not in this alone. Your spirit, the greater one, is in me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the spirit of the resurrection is in me and with me and for me. Amen? You know, in, in the world around us, there, there are traditions, and one of the traditions, and I don't know if you heard somebody getting a little loud this morning. I did. Rob. <laughs> Rob's like, oh, no. No, I want to thank you. I really want to thank you. Uh, Rob said, he is risen. Anybody else hear that besides me? Okay. And, and that reminded me that Throughout the world, there is a tradition on this day when Christians greet each other. Uh, they, they say to one another, he is risen or Christ is risen. And the response to that is, he is risen indeed. You know, I almost yelled it out, Rob, but I thought I'd freak too many people out because everybody was being nice and calm and Easter-like. Look, we need to celebrate. And, and when we realize the treasure that's in us, we will. We will. I, I, I 
we're ending a little early. We're going to get you out of here. You can get to your favorite restaurant and wait outside. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I want to close with this because it's a true story, absolutely true story, uh, about a man uh, by the name of Conrad Reed. Conrad Reed was out fishing on uh, the small meadow creek on his family's property. And he, w he didn't do very well. The fish weren't biting, so he was just walking the stream, and he noticed a stone, a rock. Now, that's dear to my heart because I notice rocks all the time. My background was geology. I majored in it uh, in college. And I'm always looking at rocks. Now I've corrupted Jeremy's kids. They look at rocks. Uh, and some of the other kids in the, uh, the congregation. Um, but Conrad was, was, you know, kind of bored. And as he was walking through the stream, he picked up this rock. He saw this rock. It was an interesting rock. He picked it up and went back to the house, showed it to the family. And the family didn't know what it was. And uh, it, was, it was 17 pounds. And they thought, well, you know what? It's kind of pretty. We'll use it as a doorstop. And... Um, Conrad, by the way, lived in North Carolina. <clears throat> and for three years, they just used it as a doorstop until somebody found out that it was a 17-pound gold nugget. True story. Look it up. Go on the Internet. You look it up. And, and back then, or, you know, they, they, they had a certain amount. But today's worth, it was $470,000. I had no clue. No clue. So when they found out it was gold, they ended up selling it and uh, started a small mining company just with their family. And uh, in 1803, one year later, they found a 28-pound gold nugget, which... In today's market, it would be $470,000. Now, why do I tell you this? I tell you this because Conrad and his family, the Reeds, sorry, Mickey, I don't know if it's related to you or not. Mickey's like, I wonder. But they were living and had all this available to them, it was theirs. But what good did it do until they recognized what it was and did something about it? You know, we could all sit here and say, you know, they were pretty dumb. Uh, a 17-pound doorstop that was a gold nugget and nobody knew. We all don't recognize the treasure that we've been given. God has given us treasure for this life and for eternity. And to the degree we don't recognize it and the degree we don't believe it and the degree we don't make use of it causes our lives to be less impacted than God intended. And today, today, the curtain's been pulled back. Some of you have known this. Maybe many of you have known that, that the spirit of resurrection, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. But what have you done about it? What have you done with it? 
And the real question is, what are you going to do? How are you going to live life from this day forward? Recognizing the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, all the power it took, and the victory that it brought is yours as a child of God. Is yours. Again, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. If you're here and you have never asked Christ to forgive you and asked Christ to come into your life to be Lord of your life, that's the beginning of it all. You can't have what he's given until you have him. And it's not that you have to show that you're worthy because none of us are worthy. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, and it's a gift. God gave a gift of his son, Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross to die to pay the price for our sins, and then he was raised from the dead. And as we recognize what he did, we repent, which is turning around from us running our life to inviting God to come into our life, Jesus to be Lord of our life and govern us and guide us. That his spirit would come to dwell in us, that resurrection spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you, lives in you, never leaves you, and can impact every moment of your lives. If you've never received Christ as your Lord, I'm going to ask with every head bowed, every eye closed, you just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I want this new life. I want a new beginning. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin and was raised glorious and victorious and has given his spirit to live in me. Today, Lord Jesus, I thank you for being Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.